Hi everyone, welcome to episode 13 of The Player's Lounge, the tennis podcast that focuses on the mental aspect of the game. My name is Jennifer Megan. I am a former professional tennis player, and if I launched this podcast was because I really wanted to create a space in which tennis players could find tools and concrete solutions in order to improve their mental game so they can reach their full potential. If you are a regular user of the podcast, thank you so much for your support. I really appreciate it. And if you are new and just discovering my content, well, welcome. And it would really mean a lot if you could take some time to subscribe and to leave a comment and uh, five stars on Apple Podcast. That will help the podcast to gain more visibility and to increase our community because that was really the point of this is to have a community where we can interact and engage and, and really have a conversation about those topics that I truly believe are important and that could be discussed even more. So if you have time, don't forget to subscribe. All right. The Australian Open is going to start tomorrow and we are excited after 15 days and actually more of that uh, grueling uh, quarantine and uh, all those very nice uh, videos of uh, players uh, playing in their rooms and then we have those uh, preparation tournaments the Australian Open is finally started and I am super excited because this is one of the slam actually when I was a young girl I loved the Australian Open because first of all I was fascinated because I was like okay here is winter and those guys are playing in t-shirts and it's so hot oh my gosh I wish I could just be there so I just for that I loved it and um, also because uh, the Australian Open for me I don't know for you guys but for me, it's really this tournament where we have those epic battle, you know, where guys are, girls are battling for three to five, six hours, you know, in that sun. And, and I don't know, I just find it epic. I, I just love the Australian Open. So I'm super excited that it started tomorrow. And because it's starting tomorrow, I wanted to make an episode and talk about a topic and use one of the classical matches, one of the matches that is often referred as one of the best, and for some people, the best of the tournament. And that match is the semi-final of 2009 between Fernando Verasco and Rafa Nadal. And the topic of today is the fear of winning. And throughout the episode, I will discuss why I think that talking about the fear of winning is so important, especially when, you know, a Grand Slam is starting, because I guess we might see a bit of that during the tournament and uh, how we can, uh, first of all, recognize it and, uh, and how we can um, face it and uh, manage it better. All right, let's get started. So first of all, what is the fear of winning? I think it's a, it's a feeling that we all had, that we all felt. And if you never felt the fear of winning, well, I guess you're lying. <laughs> but uh, more, more, you know, seriously, I think this is something that we all faced. It's that moment when we are on the verge of, a, you know, a major win. And, 
we are about to beat someone that we never um we never won against before this is the match where we are up one set and two breaks and then we for whatever reason we just start to be cold feet and then we we lose the match or you know i mean there are so many ways that the fear of winning can cripple and then just <laughs> take the best of us and uh, i think that a lot of times we we have this kind of bravado in the tennis world where we kind of act as if the fear of winning doesn't exist and and we have this tendency to say that oh no well this person choke or she or he's such a choke choker choker whatever uh you understand what i mean and and we we tend to kind of not talk about it so it doesn't exist and denial is never really a good option so today i really want to talk about the fear of winning and i picked that match because to me i think that it is such a great example of how this can affect your performance and how this can be like you know um be the difference between uh being a, a grand slam winner and uh being a non grand slam winner so let's get started with that match the reason why it's so interesting is because uh let's just bring a big bad of con- uh, context into that match of uh, between uh, Verdasco and Nadal in 2009 prior to this uh, match Verdasco had never beaten Nadal actually in their head to head it was 6-0 for Rafa and actually the, the last time they they had they they faced each other was during the french open i think and and nadal completely destroyed him like i think it was 616062 something well but that year anyway in 2008 nadal destroyed everybody so it's not like no offense to velasco but it was just unbeatable but what's interesting is that Prior to the Australian Open, Verdesco actually had played amazing tennis. He won the Davis Cup and he played a major role in that win because Nadal wasn't there and he really stepped up as a leader of the team, won the point with uh, Feliciano Lopez in double. We know that doubles is a crucial point. And then he actually gave the winning point for Spain. Um beating i think in five set akasus or something like that so we know that team matches can have such a positive impact in some players i mean we've seen uh players you know winning the davis cup or or just winning like an important match during club matches and that give that gave them so much momentum to you know for their individual career on top of that fadasco had a very great of season preparation with Gil Reyes who's uh for those who been following the game for a long time was the long ta- long-term trainer of Andre Agassi and um is known for those very intense workouts and we if if we uh look at Agassi's career he always played really well at the Australian Open because he was so prepared and uh Vodasco really showed some great form during the tournament I mean he literally destroyed everybody in the quarter final he beat Joey Futsonga who was no other than the runner up the year before and we all remember how Tsonga absolutely destroyed Nadal in the semi final so having these all these wins uh, under his belt coming to the semi final against uh, Rafa although he never beat him before was Uh, a really 
boost for his confidence and right away during the match he, he showed how aggressive he planned to be I think at the end of the first set that he won in the tiebreak he had already made 22 winners which I think is quite a lot for one set I mean some people win tournaments with 22 winners the whole tournament I mean I'm not pointing at anyone in particular but we know that um, this happens uh, sometimes and that's why like it was such an interesting game it was so aggressive the whole time I mean I I really recommend you to actually watch the highlights I will post the um, what you can type on YouTube in the description because I cannot post the um, the link the because I don't own the rights but definitely you should definitely watch it on YouTube I will I will post that in the description because it, it was such it was so obvious that uh, he, he came to to mean business and another was during the match very courageous I would say he basically took winners after winner but I mean Nadal is, is probably the biggest fighter of all time but he was just there and and stay with that and, and try just to survive throughout the match and it became very interesting so Verdasco won the first set then Nadal won uh, second set and uh, third set and at the moment we really believed that the match was over that Nadal was going to you know do his thing and and even Verdasco was a bit injured but I think it kind of liberated him because he's starting to blast again all his shots and managed to to come back to to set all and um, during the fifth set everything was so close that we really believed that Verdasco was going to win as a matter of fact there was a decisive moment it's four all in the fifth set and it's love 30 for Verdasco on Nadal's serve and at the moment it's crunch time I mean that's the moment when we believe that okay is he gonna do it is he not gonna do it and that's very interesting what happened if you watch the video you will see that I love 30 Vadasco really tried to go for a shot like very like a bit too much you know very he was very hyped and and pumped up and he just went for the shot like crazy and then missed it and it's not the fact that he missed that is interesting it's his reaction he looked at his box and seemed defeated which is very interesting because it's still 1530 and 1530 doesn't mean you know it's still pretty you you're still in pretty good uh he still stand a pretty good chance to to win the game however he seemed defeated and right after Nadal served second serve on Verdasco forehand which is his best, best shot and he hit a really bad return at the bottom of the net 30 all then that's a different story and Nadal being the champion that he is took that chance came to the net 40-30 and then played is one of his favorite plays served and then I think hit a winner down the line and at that moment it seemed that everyone knew that the game was over and Nadal was very quiet at the moment really actually showed a fist and look at his box and it seems it was kind of you had your chance amigo night's over and Vadasco was serving and he served really well during the whole match 5-4 pressure was in his shoulder what happened well 
loved love 15 pretty quickly and then it was um love 30 then he served a double foot love 40 so all of a sudden you go from four all love 30 you know two points away from breaking to being for having to save three match points he saved the first one and then hit a double foot two double foots in one game and when we look at the the stats Vodasco served only four double foot the whole match so basically for five and five i don't know more than five and hours and 30 minutes he served pretty well and on the last game he served two double foot and this cannot be a coincidence that's very interesting for me and that's why now it's it's good to understand what happened so first of all again when we talk about uh, fear of uh, winning and we like to say that people are you know they, they choke they whatever they are weak mentally they're not tough but let's be honest fear of winning is something that is completely normal as a matter of fact, I was watching an interview from a French player, Gilles Simon, and he was saying that the fear of uh, winning and, and is completely normal, that it happens to everyone. And, and then the person who was interviewing him asked, what about the big three? What about Fed, Nadal and, and Joko? Are they, how are they you know, dealing with this? And are they feeling the fear of uh, winning? And his, his answer was very interesting and something I actually agree with. And he said that, yes, they do. But the reason why it doesn't really show is that they accepted it. And I think that this is the key. First of all, you need to accept that the fear of winning is, is something that is normal. When we are in denial and act as if, oh no, this doesn't exist, or I'm, I'm above this and it doesn't you know, touch me. Well, when it comes at the worst moment, break point, you know, you're about to, to, make, to make that big upset and to win that big match. Well, that's when the fear of winning is saying, hello, and now you have to deal with it. Accepting the, your fear of winning is something that definitely you need to do in order to be able to work on it. If you act as it doesn't exist, you cannot work on it. If you accept that it's there, first of all, it helps you to give you a chance to move forward and to improve on that territory. So first of all, accept that fear of winning is something completely normal. I'm not saying it's comfortable, but it's completely normal. Once you understand this, it's going to help you to define why you are afraid of it. And a lot of things that we do are based on the meaning that we give to things. And uh, in that particular case of fear of winning, I was reading a, a very interesting article and, uh, and they were saying that the fear of winning is basically the fear of change. And I find that very interesting because when it comes to change, we are not always very comfortable with this. We are afraid that we might lose something. And it's the same for success. What, happen, what happens if I'm successful? 
what happens if I am uh, winning? Am I going to change status? Are the people around me going to change? Am I going to lose my friends? Are they going to become jealous? Are the expectations going to be much higher? And all those things are beliefs that we have. Some are real, some of them are not, but they are really playing a role in the way we, we act and in the way we are doing things. And in the case of Vodasco, I mean, I, of course, I, I'm not in his head and I don't know what went through his mind, but perhaps at that moment, there was a lot in play. First of all, he was playing against number one in the world, which is always something important when you're a tennis player, you want to be the best, but then how do you act when you are facing the best and are on the verge of beating the best? That's number one. Then if he beat Nadal that, that match, then that would have meant first Grand Slam final. That also is a lot to take. And then first Grand Slam final against probably Federer, and then if you beat the number one in the world, people expect you to win. And then on top of that, it's a fellow, it's a fellow Spaniard. If I beat Nadal, doesn't mean that I'm not a leader of, of Spanish tennis. There's so much thing going on and perhaps there was even more or less. I don't know, but these are real legit questions and that can create anxiety. And I'm pretty sure it is the same for you. I, I will share a personal story. I remember that there was a point where I was training. I think it was perhaps my last season on tour. And I was at practice and I was playing amazing tennis. Really, I was playing perhaps the best tennis of my life. I was feeling so good. And things seemed to be so effortless. I was playing really well. And it was effortless and I didn't feel like I was forcing. I didn't feel like I was just, you know, playing um, shots that were unbelievable. I, it just felt right. It felt like, okay, yeah, it's normal that I'm playing this. But then I started asking my, I, tell, I told myself, wow, if I play like this, I think I'm going to, I don't know, make a big jump on the WT rankings. And I remember feeling a fear when I, when I thought about that. I felt that moment of anxiety because I didn't know what was going to happen. And I know that I felt afraid. That was fear of winning right there. And I was at practice. There was no, I don't know, nothing, <laughs> nothing to win, nothing to lose. And I felt the fear. And I know that I carried that afterwards. In my tournaments, when I was playing those girls, you know, ranked 200 in the world, 200 in the world, and I was winning a set when I was up a set, a break, and I was thinking about that. Then I would lose and get very frustrated. But at the time, I didn't voice it because I felt that it was not normal. Who is afraid of succeeding? I was thinking, nobody. And I didn't, I didn't share that with my coach or with anyone because I felt like ashamed. I felt it was stupid. But the truth was that perhaps if I had voiced that, maybe someone would have been like, hey, you know what? That is not crazy. Eh, probably not because <laughs> the people I was training with. But I think that 
this is something that when I when I finished my career and I and I thought about this like often I said wow of course you know the the quality of your game can be like a problem why you don't make it but what if my biggest problem was my fear of winning fear of succeeding because I didn't know what to expect I didn't know what was going to happen if I did so that's something that is quite interesting and the way to practice it is to take a journal and to start writing about your definition when you ask yourself what does success mean to me what does winning mean to me you start to like have that conversation and it's even better if you can have those conversations with someone that you you trust and someone you know will be helpful in that discovery i really encourage you to at least start a journal and ask yourself those questions so you can really face what winning means to you and when you do that you are going to start to have new beliefs because you're going to understand what they are and how you can deal with them and um and beliefs are so important in uh like i said in the way we we acting and and they direct basically they are the <laughs> to they guide us in everything we do so so that's something that you want to do and and you're going to start to challenge yourself and to play with your beliefs of success okay how can i make success part of my daily life it doesn't have to be on court it can be outside outside the court and how you can challenge yourself do little things that can that make you feel successful so it doesn't feel awkward anymore and really pay attention to the feeling that you feel when you are successful and and then see how you can replicate that feeling on the court so this is more like a i would say touch i mean like sense sensory uh, practice more than uh, I think visualization and and uh, things like that are very great, but I think that in order to be able to do that, you need to first tackle some you know the hidden beliefs that prevent you from being su- successful. And when you do that, is the do you have a philosophy of excellence? Is excellence part of your life? What what part does it take in your life? That's something that is quite interesting, because when you look at those guys, the you know the the Federer, the Djokovic, the Serena. I mean, all those guys, all the all the greatest. They have something in common. And excellence is the is their norm. They surround themselves with the best the people they can, and they make excellence part of it. And when you do that, you start to, yeah, you start to be different, to behave in a different way. And I know we're afraid of that because excellence means accountability. It means that we have to voice our ambition and we're not comfortable with that because we are fearing the the way people are going to judge us. What if I don't make it? What if I don't do what I say? Well, it doesn't matter because at the end of the day, you are only accountable to yourself. When you are voicing your ambition, you the the goal is to voice an ambition that seems right to you. You're not doing that for someone else. Oh, you're not doing that for your parents, you're not doing that for your coach, you're not doing that for the other players, you're doing that for yourself. If you're not, well, yeah, I think it's time to to consider doing it. And when you do that, accountability, being able to say, okay, this is where I want to go, you will see that actually your your behavior is going to change. And 
if I want what some what does someone successful do? You're gonna start asking you your question. You get you're gonna start asking yourself those those type of questions, and that's why in that episode about the alter ego, um, I I I discussed the fact that I think it's so important to uh, for players to kind of create that persona in a sense that it, first of all it helps you to kind of detach yourself from you know how you perform to who you are and when you you see yourself as okay this is my alter ego performing then you you, you feel braver and, and what are the values that I want to embody on the court who do I want to be how do I want to behave and this is also help very helpful to to have this philosophy of excellence so I definitely encourage you to to do that and um and yeah, so if you haven't listened to that episode, you should you should do it because it's I think it's a good one. I used uh, Rafa Nadal, and I think to me is a perfect uh, example of that. I mean, the guy is very introverted in real life, and uh, on, on court is really basically Superman. And I I mean you made that uh, comparison of uh, Rafa Nadal being the perfect alter ego, Clarkett and Superman. That's definitely the way I see him, and I think <laughs> some people also. And then, uh, but now on the court, let's go back to the court. This is more for the outside work. How do you manage your your fear of uh, winning when you're on the court? Well, one of the things that I've observed uh, in the Verdasco match, Verdasco Nadal match, was how both players manage their energy. So if you look at the highlights, you will see that Verdasco was very vocal, super loud always looking at his uh, box, you know, trying to pump the crowd, very vocal, you know, showing the fist, very intense, which is great. But at the same time, it kind of showed that he was nervous and he was trying to hide it by being so hyped. And then I was watching Nadal, who usually is a more exuberant player on court. He was very calm, much calmer. You, you could feel that sometimes he was a bit, you know, he, he felt a bit defeated, but he didn't move. He didn't say anything. And he was not, he was not as fired up, but he felt like he was calmer. And sometimes when we are on the verge of beating someone we think is better, we, we show the, we show the face. We are, we are extra hyped, which is a way to show actually how nervous we are and it's very hard because of course you want to show your opponent that you are fired up and that you're on top of them but at the same time you don't want to do it too much because first of all you might lose some energy and second against experienced players it might be a sign that okay that person is very high because he or she doesn't think it's normal so if I stay calm, maybe it's gonna mess with their with their mind. And we all play that, that player that is so calm that it's annoying. We're like, why is this person not getting mad? I'm playing unbelievable and it doesn't move. That also can play in your head. And at the moment of uh, of winning, you might be uh, feeling nervous because you're thinking that okay, this person is not nervous because he or she believes that I'm not gonna make it. You see how like mind games are crazy in that sport. That's why we love it, right? But uh, yeah, manage your energy. And what's interesting is that 
when Verdasco did beat Rafa, first time was at uh, Madrid in 2012. If you look at the highlights, but the quality is very horrible, so I recommend not to. But still, we see that Verdasco is super calm. He's, he's like playing really good. Huh? He's, he's uh, blasting forehands left and right like there's no tomorrow. However, it seems like he learned his lessons and he remained quiet and only at the end, of course, he was super happy, but it was very interesting to see the difference of behavior between the two matches. And then he had again an opportunity to have his revenge. I mean, revenge is not the term, but to rematch with Rafa at the Australian Open first round in 2016. And same thing, if you watch the highlights, you will see that Verdasco is super calm. Of course, his, his body language is confident and stuff, but he's very focused. You don't see him like watching his box like he was doing seven years before that. He's very focused on what he has to do and only at the end he was excited. So that's something that you might want to, to try, manage your energy. Understand that, okay, yes, I'm fired up. Yes, I'm positive, but I don't want to overdo it because it might give um, my opponent the clue that I might, that I'm actually nervous and I'm just trying to fake it. And um, last but not least, watch your opponent when you're playing. Because when you get very nervous, like I said, sometimes you, you try to overdo, you try to, you know, you get, we get, we tend to get too much in our head and to think that, oh, we're doing horrible and that oh, my opponent is going to come back and I'm going to mess it up and blah, blah, blah. Hey, first of all, take a breath <laughs> and then stick back and have a look at your opponent, see how she's doing. See if she's um, being nervous. See if he's like showing sign of signs of um, you know anger or disappointment or he's feeling a bit defeated. And that can be interesting for you because when you see that, it actually gives you confidence and you can tell yourself, okay, my opponent is doubting himself or herself that means that I'm doing a good job that means that I'm on the right track and that is something that I really encourage you to do when you are playing against someone that you never beat before or you never beaten before or that you you know you feel like oh wow it's too much it's way out of my league hey step out and don't overdo it and I think this is when playing your strong um, plays the 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 game plays you feel very comfortable coming to play now that you're managing your physical state that's when you can actually look for opportunities and when i say for look for opportunities it's not like trying you know like that point Vadasco did at love 34 all on the in the fifth set when you try to play that incredible Forehand, like out of nowhere, when if maybe because Rafa was very down and just trying to play the ball back in, if he would have been maybe more patient, waiting for the opportunity for the short ball and just going, you know, with his forehand that was amazing because he had full control of the game. Perhaps then it's love 40, then maybe it's 5 4, and then uh, yeah, but you never know. So for you, it's the same, don't overdo it if you are in control. 
my my co- my tennis coach in college always used to say you know it's like driving you know if you have the green light you keep going if you have the yellow light you slow down when you have the red light you you stop and and when you're winning and you know you're perfectly in control don't try to overdo you know stay calm relax keep going you're on the right track don't try to overdo and when you see those guys the big ones they're not going for the crazy shot they go for what they're most comfortable so what most comfortable yes for for federal an important point are ridiculous shots <laughs> for Djokovic is like you're just not gonna you're not going to win the point Andy Murray was good as well you're not gonna he's not gonna miss Rafa is gonna try something and different things you know the incredible banana shots or coming to the net I mean this but every all those players they are playing their best shots Serena is going to go for for big serve and you know like they all do something and that's what you want to learn what are your strong plays so you can use them in those moments all right that's it for today i hope you like that episode on fear of winning it's a topic that i really love to talk about because i think it's so important to to address those topics and uh and yeah it, it's something that you can if you can master that you can definitely be a, a better player but to summarize so we said that uh, fear of winning is something completely normal that you shouldn't be ashamed of and address it just face it you know it's it's going to happen and the more the earlier you accept it the better you will be able to improve it so yeah understanding that is the way to to be able to manage it to to work on it and uh, i recommend you to really have a a journal so you can uh, define what success means for you and and to redefine it as well and um and then develop some success habits that you can train off the court and once those are becoming part of your daily routine you can take them on the court and then put yourself in situations where you can actually use those um habits that you that you develop to to be more successful during your matches again when you're in the match learn how to manage your energy don't overdo it Remember, you are on the right track, so you don't need to overdo it. You just need to stay focused on what you're doing. I mean, I'm saying just stay. I know it's hard, but like focus on executing what you've been doing so far and you will be fine and do amazing and watch your opponent and uh, yeah, understand uh, what he or she's, you know, expressing towards the, by um, his or her body language that will be also very helpful to, to be successful. All right. If you like this episode, don't hesitate to subscribe and to leave uh, some five stars on Apple Podcasts. That would mean the world to me, really. And uh, until next time, enjoy the Australian Open. I know I will. And take good care of yourself. Ciao.